Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. It's time to dive back into fantasy football on Fantasy Sports Today. The last game of the week, maybe the last game of your fantasy season is tonight. Joe Pizapia and Craig Mish going to tackle it all right now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome into Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia with you here on this Monday. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving holiday. And now we're headed toward the holiday season. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizapia 17 at FNTSY Radio. Sean Guastamacchia, as always, producing this show. It will be a happy December for sure. But, Joe, the fantasy season for a lot of people coming down to the wire. And I know that there will be some huge implications again tonight. But a really wild and wacky upside down, I thought, uh, NFL Sunday yesterday. And we'll dive all into it today. So I hope you had a good Thanksgiving and welcome back. I had a great Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. I hope you did, too. But I think upside down is the best way you could possibly put it, because not just the stranger things happened, but the strangest things happened yesterday. And I can't think of a week 13 that probably screwed more people in terms of wagering, in terms of potentially uh, your fantasy playoffs, in terms of DFS, where Everything that you could possibly imagine that would be wacky was wacky, and it was just horrible. And I'm sure there's a lot of teams out there right now just scratching your heads going, but I started the right guy, but this was the right thing, and then this didn't happen. I mean, a little bit of that happens every single week because it's football, and there's weird anomalies and stuff that happens. But yesterday, the culmination of the fact that you could go to almost every single one of those games and get at least, I don't know, half a dozen of those weird moments, it was just absolutely stunning to me. And, of course, on Thanksgiving, we nearly had the the Blau miracle, too. So that kind of goes in there as well. So just an incredibly weird week 13 from start to almost finish. And we'll see if the Vikings pay off tonight with the Seahawks and what, a, uh, what has been an absolutely bizarre few days of football in the NFL. Yeah. And uh, yesterday, I thought in particular, was, was probably the most unpredictable day of the entire season. Uh, just kind of seeing how things happen. I, I honestly think that if I did a pool where I would have picked every single game, I think maybe I would have gotten one game right. Like literally every single outcome uh, was just it was to me upside down. And of course, there were a couple that kind of went the way that you thought, but very few of them. And it was just a really insane way to do the week. But uh, look, hopefully for those of you who had a good fantasy season, got yourself into the fantasy playoffs and will certainly begin uh, but last night, really, I think was what what could end up being Joe, and it's interesting a changing of the guard a little bit in the NFL. I hesitate to say that because <laughs> through the years, the Patriots have always had a two or three game run where people have you know said, "Oh, this is it; it's the beginning of the end." And I'm not stupid enough to think that that is indeed the case, and I'm quite sure that they'll have a nice deep run into the playoffs. In fact, I would almost guarantee them getting to the AFC Championship. But uh, the offense for the Patriots kind of weird, also. I mean. 
it's not strange to me that they lost the game last night and we'll get into the specifics of those games in a minute, but it is strange to me how the game kind of played itself out where the third, late third and fourth quarter, we saw who the Patriots could be, but they didn't show enough in the first three quarters to really get it done. And so it's very clear at this point, at least statistically and record wise, and given the fact that there is a head to head matchup involved, that there's a new number one team in the NFL and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Well, look, it's absolutely Baltimore. And I felt pretty comfortable saying it was Baltimore before Sunday's games anyway. Uh, so that's that's not a problem for me because I've been watching the last couple of weeks and I see the most complete team on both sides of the ball being the Baltimore Ravens. And part of the reason they are is because what they're doing is so unique and different right now. Now, teams will catch up to it because that's the NFL and also teams will start to copy it because that's the NFL. But in terms of trying to peg the Patriots right now in this loss, and I know we're going to break it down a little later, too, but. Their offense is not good. They don't have a playmaker on offense. Antonio Brown was going to be that guy. And as much as, you know, Gronk wasn't necessarily Gronk of yesteryear, he was still enough of that guy in big spots where they would run that play action and go to Gronk right down the seam and get a first down. They're missing that. And Collinsworth actually pointed that out last night on the broadcast with the, uh, they had one pass like that and actually connected. And they said, wow, you know, we haven't seen that in the playbook almost all year. And I want to remind everybody as you're writing off the Patriots that last year, December 9th, they lost to the Dolphins, if everybody remembers that one. And then December 16th, they lost to the Steelers. So they had the same kind of thing where they looked like trash. And Josh Gordon, everybody remembers he was done. And we said, oh, well, another guy gone. This is probably the end. I did too. I was ready to write them off. But you can never write them off. And now that they're not going to have potentially home field advantage throughout, that is a huge blow to this team. And you can blame it on illness. You can blame it on you know personnel. You can blame it on a lot of things. At the end of the day, the Patriots will figure it out. And the Patriots will be competitive in the playoffs, as they always are. But yes, if you're asking right now, who's the number one team? It's clearly the Baltimore Ravens and everybody else because they play both sides of the football. Yeah, and the Ravens did it yesterday. We'll get into them against San Francisco, a game that could have went either way for sure. The 49ers played extremely well against Lamar Jackson in terms of the passing game too, uh, but they came up just short. But cl- the clear favorite, I think, in the NFC is San Francisco, even though they lost yesterday to Baltimore. Uh, for those people who are heading into the fantasy playoffs, the one player that you don't want to play against is Lamar Jackson. That is for sure. I don't know if I'm even in or out, to be honest with you. I mean, we got a four-way tie for the last playoffs. Wow. I think I, yeah, seven and six. I don't think I got in. I think that uh, via tiebreaker, I'm out because of points, uh, but I'll, I'll have to sort that out today. Uh, but regardless of wanting not wanting to face Lamar Jackson, the other player that you don't want to face, and he's become arguably the most dangerous running back in fantasy, I, I suppose McCaffrey is still that guy that you stare at and go, my gosh, I know he's putting up a 20. And and there's just and I look at my running back on the other side and I don't I can't say that. But Derrick Henry at this point is very mm. hard to figure. I watched him weeks ago and I don't care who the quarterback was. I know it was Mariota, but he is the, a weird player, man. I, I, I don't even know what to say about him at this point. Why Ooh, Mariota sudden, or Henry? Henry. I don't oh. know why, why all of a sudden in November and December does, does this guy do it? I mean, he didn't do it last year in September and October. And then all of a sudden, November and December comes and he's a different player. I I. Maybe it's just offense or defensive linemen being tired. Maybe it is matchups. I don't get it. But this is the one player that I don't want to see playing against the fantasy playoffs for sure. This guy's been on fire. No, and I've been riding him in DFS the last four weeks, but not this week. I don't know what happened to me. The pricing was weird. The things I wanted to get in lineups, it didn't work out. And it was stupid. I should have just continued to ride the Derrick Henry bus all the way through December because I know better. It's Derrick Henry season. This is what time of year we're in. We're in Derrick Henry season. Once you turn that page right around November, things get chilly. Derrick Henry starts rolling. And yeah, I'm sure to a certain extent, 
it's fatigue of certain players. It's injuries of certain players on the defenses. And guys also just don't want to step in front of him. You know, in September and October, things seem bright. But by the time we turn the page to November, teams got to know where they are, where, you know, players know where their record is and whether or not they're going to the playoffs or whether or not they've got a contract coming up. And guys don't want to step in front of Derrick Henry and tackle him necessarily this time of year because they have their own best interest at heart. He is a big boy. He's a big, strong man. and He's fast. And I'll tell you what, Derrick Henry, I also think has benefited a great deal from the Tannehill switch because even though Tannehill might not be Drew Brees, Tannehill has done a far better job of making the offense more complete and certainly uh, less one dimensional. And I think that's also had something to do to a certain extent with the play calling and how you would defend this team because Dan- Tannehill's had to, you know, played well enough to keep opposing defenses honest. And I think at the end of the day, that has also helped Henry. But man, oh man, this is two years in a row. Stretch run Derrick Henry is about as good as it gets. Yeah, and right now, uh, you could have had him at 10-1 to 1 last week to win the rushing title, and, and here he is only 20 yards away from that happening. Anything can happen over the next few games, that is for sure. But he definitely is in, the, is in a position to lead the NFL if he just has a repeat of what he did last year. Again, you don't know, but he is in a great position for sure, as are the Titans, by the way, to make the playoffs. A huge win over the Colts we'll, we'll get into in just a couple of minutes, but we'll take our first time out here on Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up next, it is the opening drive here on the show. We'll go into some of the news and notes that would happen in not just the NFL, but everything else in the world of sports. Uh, also, we will dive into the Texans and Patriots. We'll lead off with that game in the show and the Ravens and 49ers, two huge games in the scope of the NFL and in fantasy. You're listening to FST here on FNTSY Radio. Craig Mish and Joe Pisapia. Don't go away. The opening drive is next right here on this Monday. Don't go away. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First Play from Scrimmage, The Opening Drive. The first play of the game. And this is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today. It is our first Monday in December. Welcome into the show. Hopefully you guys are headed to the fantasy football playoffs. I know that is a crucial, crucial week now for those of you to start looking ahead. But before we look ahead, we got to look behind us to what happened this weekend in this wacky weekend of Thanksgiving and of fantasy sports. And we start off with two of the biggest upsets of the NFL season on the same day. Wow. The Philadelphia Eagles get off to a 10-0 lead and a 14-point lead in the third quarter and completely blow it against the Miami Dolphins. The Carolina Panthers, a 10-point favorite, also get off to a really good start against the Washington Redskins, and they completely blow it too. And look, every once in a while in the NFL, over the course of the season, Joe, you're going to have a handful of games that are going to be just like this, where you're going to have almost a two-touchdown favorite that's going to lose outright. But extremely rare on the same day, to have this happen 
And uh, especially on the Eagles side, I got to say, Joe, that one was an absolute shocker to see that thing play out. The Eagles defense couldn't stop anyone. Devontae Parker was running, was uh, was catching balls all over the place. And on the Carolina side, man, they were uh, their head coach, Ron Rivera. That may have just doomed his fate, I think, in Carolina as well. What a what a crazy, crazy weekend. If I told you that the Bengals, the Dolphins and the Redskins would all get victories in the same Sunday, you would say that I was hitting the sauce, wouldn't you? You would definitely say that, right? I have too yeah, much eggnog. I, I mean, I, I, I thought these teams were trying to get the first pick in the draft. I don't know what happened there. No, well, I mean, apparently they have pride. <laughs> Who knew? I, I certainly hadn't seen it for the first six weeks. Uh, but I'll tell you, man, this was crazy. The Eagles, I thought, you know, the Eagles have been saying all week they needed the Dolphins in the worst way. They've had some tough matchups. They've lost some games at home. They needed to go and get a W against a football team that, frankly, they are better than. And you know what? They didn't. I mean, just terrible. Now, at least Carolina kind of got competitive at the end. They tried to sneak back in it. And then, of course, that terrible sack at the end Kyle Allen took, which is brutal. So showing the little green there. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I think I'll throw the Jets in there, too, only because it's not shocking. Like, oh, the Jets are a great football team. But I think the narrative lately has been, hey, Look at the Jets. They're going to finish seven and nine or eight and eight, or they're going to they're going to make quite a run here. No, no, they're not. They lost to the Bengals. What a horrible, horrible thing that was. But I'll tell you what, at this point, uh, who wins the NFC East, Greg Mish? I'm going to put it to you because I'm rooting for the Redskins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dallas will obviously win at this point. I mean, I mean, they what have a head to head against Philadelphia. Yeah, no, it's what it's one of those years that the competition committee will have to meet after the year because, I mean, it's starting to come to light a little bit, but I mean, it's going to happen. And let's just make the assumption I think San Francisco wins the division that Seattle is going to have to go to Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. Seattle will be 13-3. and three, Dallas will be 8-8. Eight and eight. I mean, that's got to change. They, they, they're going to have to figure out You're, that. That's but, a great point. That is a great it, point. I mean, it, it, they're not talking. They're talking about a little bit now, but it's really going to start to come to focus in a couple of weeks. And, uh, and look, I, again, Philadelphia was up 14 points in the third quarter. So, I mean, they did basically accomplish everything that they set out to accomplish. But their defense was embarrassing. Got to finish. And it was just, I mean, the defense, I mean, Jim Schwartz, who's the defensive coordinator, like, what are you doing out there? Like, the only guy catching anything was Devontae Parker. And they signed, they put him on the left, they put him on the right, they put him in the middle. They just kept putting him all over the place. Nobody could stop this guy. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was arguably, I think, the most embarrassing loss of the NFL season, I think, for any team. Uh, especially, again, having that lead late. And I got to say, equally embarrassing for Carolina, too being in the playoff uh, position that they were back-to-back weeks against the Saints and then the Redskins and letting these dudes run all over them was just insane. So we'll get into that game a little bit, but yeah, wacky, wacky day yesterday for sure. Uh, The LA Clippers yesterday scored 150 points in an NBA game. Kawhi Leonard, Joe, is on this crazy schedule. They had 82 points in the first half. Uh, The NBA has become very difficult because of players resting, but Kawhi Leonard is basically on pace to play about 50, 60 games this year, and he's not hurt. They're just putting him on this rest (laughs) schedule. And basically, out of every three games, he sits one. And uh, the Clippers are basically preparing right now for the playoffs. They, they're looking at the Lakers. The Lakers are on pace to win like 70 games. Of course, they won't. They win like 65, something like that. Uh, but the way that the NBA is, is it's made the regular season almost meaningless. I can't imagine this happening in any other sport, but it is happening in the NBA. Teams do not care about the regular season because so many teams make the playoffs. It's crazy. I, and this is the most insane thing to me. I just can't imagine these guys not going out there and playing. And like I said, rest day on occasion, that's fine. But I, I just don't get it. No injury, no issues, healthy, not that old. I mean, I understand if I think he's a really aging player. You know what? You know what? Tim Duncan in your heyday, you want to like towards the end of his career. Even LeBron now makes more even sense. LeBron now. I mean, these guys don't sit. I don't I don't understand this mentality. It is. And I get it from an organizational standpoint. I understand it, you know, but I mean, I, I get I get resting older players. I understand that maintenance on certain guys. 
you know, the Derek Roses of the world historically. I get the maintenance. I get all that. But a healthy young player, I don't understand why he's not going out there every night. And I'll tell you what, you know what sucks for? It sucks for the fans who pay a couple hundred dollars in a night for a home game and he's not in that home game. NBA champion, series MVP, biggest free agent, arguably the best player in the NBA. What are you paying him for? Second best. I just I've never seen anything like this before where they're basically they, they have determined they are one of the top three teams in the NBA. They probably are. I mean, that's it's almost impossible. Now that Golden State is so far out, it's it's impossible to argue that now. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's true. The Clippers come to your town and you want to see that team. Good luck. I mean, you can't. It's like a spring training game. You'll you'll, you'll be getting the jersey. You may not be. By getting the way, the I, yeah, I, I let our I let our bosses know I'm only going to do like three segments in an hour with you. I'm just going to take that right. last segment off every time because I like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm fresh for, you know, other shows later in the year. I just I don't yeah. know if you got that memo or that email. Yeah, I did do that. I, I so, saw it. Didn't work out yeah. for you, but it was a good try. <laughs> All right, uh, third down, let's go to college football. Alabama in another amazing college football game. And the NFL wishes they had just one game like Alabama-Auburn all year, but this is every week in college football. Uh, An incredible finish to that game as uh, the Crimson Tide now officially out. They'll play in a bowl game, missing, I would guess, half of their team. I I don't see why any of their best players would play. And so that's going to create a very interesting dynamic. There'll be more players sitting out for the Crimson Tide in probably the history of college football. Uh, for players who are headed to the NFL because they saw what happened to their teammate. I don't think they're going to take a shot there. And then, Joe, I don't know if you caught this on Thanksgiving night. It was all over everywhere. Uh, Mississippi on a historic last drive, less than a minute to go, completing three fourth downs, including a fourth and 24, throwing a touchdown pass very late in the game with almost no time left. And the player on Mississippi as his touchdown celebration uh, crawls onto the Mississippi State logo in the end zone, pretends to pee like a dog. They call a 15-yard penalty on the player, move the kicker back for the extra point. He misses the extra point. The game ends. I mean, they're very one of the all-timers there. I thought in uh, in college football on Thursday. I'd By say you way, cut that kid, right? You cut him. The coach got fired today. So yeah. Oh well, there you go. Cut him. You cut him. You cut the kid. You fire the coach. Good player. Good player. Yeah, I'm, I don't care. You said you have to send a message to the rest of everybody else. And you know what? Bad on that coach because. You know, it's one thing to celebrate. It's one thing to, you know, hate rivals. It's I get all that stuff, man. I totally get it. You want to rub it in their face, rub it in their face by winning, you know, and, and or you can do fun stuff. But like there's a certain line you, you got to. It reminded me of a much worse version of remember when Randy Moss in Green Bay, when he pretended to take his pants down and moon the crowd like mm-hmm. that was like right yeah, on that similar. border. That's similar. Yeah, right yeah. on that border. And as far as the Alabama loss to you, you know, can I just say that everybody's spoiled because Nick Saban has turned that into such a juggernaut of a of a team for so long and i see so much negativity surrounding him and all the things and like sometimes you have seasons that just don't go right you have injuries you have issues you lose close games i mean are we supposed to think that nick saban's done are we supposed to think that what yeah. he's done here is not right. it, it just i hate this i you hate hot talk ra- hot take radio i hate this i hate when people just you know on a year where they don't win everything or they don't make the playoffs all of a sudden they're the worst or they should go or the time's up it's terrible yeah it'll be fun we're headed down to the last week to find out if utah or oklahoma heads to the uh the uh, final four here for the college football playoff. It actually worked out perfectly with Alabama losing. It looks like Oklahoma uh, has a pretty good shot to get in and um, and they will play against Ohio State in the first round. So uh, we're headed toward a lot of points and exciting. Um, finally, uh, this is an interesting story I saw from yesterday, Joe. A 112-year-old message in a bottle was found as uh, they did some construction on a building and found it. And um, they were trying to contact the people or the obviously the people that passed away, but the families are involved. They've been unsuccessful in it, but have you ever come across a message in a bottle anywhere, Joe, on the beach in New Jersey or anywhere else? No, I've never had a message in a bottle. I've never had one of those weird things where you put uh, put mail in the uh, mailbox and then 
some other woman from another time ends up getting it in her mailbox. I've never had that happen either. Uh, I'm curious, what was the details of the letter, Craig? Did this have anything to do with like, hey, save me a chicken sandwich over at No, Popeyes, they just or? were basically telling a story about their families and stuff like that. Uh, and then the historic significance of, of the time. It was it was nothing earth shattering. It was just a handwritten letter that was was just interesting. That's all. You know what I would do? I would I would I, if if you're gonna do this, the message in the bottle thing, you should write something really cryptic and interesting about the you know the future. It's like I traveled back in time. This is the only way I could get a message to you because I'm hundred something years back and I'm stuck there. Please, you know, like send some like weird, I don't know, plans for a time machine or something like that, and really screw with people. And then that would be fun. Now that would be a movie. That I'd like to see. But just like, hey, you know, it's Tuesday, it's cold out. That's not a good message in a bottle at all. Well, it was 112 years old. I don't know what they could have come up with at that time, but uh, there it is. That'll do it for the opening drive. Coming up next, we'll dive into some of the game capsules in the NFL. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. The Monday Replay. Elky Weird Number. The Monday Replay. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, where listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. And here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Make a deposit. Place your first bet. DraftKings is going to match it with a 50% bonus of up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users, plus new users are going to get a risk-free bet of up to $200. Here's what you do. Go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. You must be in New Jersey to take advantage of this offer. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. And you must be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Last night, we'll begin. Usually, we do the Sunday night game uh, kind of chronologically. We do it in order, but it was a really entertaining game. So, I figured we'll uh, start off with this one where the Patriots were down very early in this one 14 to 3. I believe it was, was it 21 to 3 at one point? I think it uh, was actually. Uh, well, yeah. it was definitely 14 to 3. That the I remember. Pa- for sure. The Patriots were down <clears throat> virtually the entire game. They could do nothing. And then all of a sudden, they came back and made it close. Uh, 28 to 22 was the final. From a fantasy perspective, Watson uh, has bounced back at a really good game. Last night, 234 yards passing, three touchdowns and a receiving touchdown from Deshaun Watson. There was some controversy as to whether or not who threw the touchdown, caught the touchdown. Either way, it's a receiving touchdown for Deshaun Watson. Hopefully that helped you in fantasy. Didn't hurt you. Carlos Hyde, 10 for 17 on the ground, did nothing. Duke Johnson scored, although he didn't do much else. Hopkins, five for 64. And then the passing touchdown hopefully got you four points. So gave you a 15, 16 point day. Kenny Stills, three for 61 and a touchdown. And Darren Fells, two for 23 and a touchdown as well. On the New England side, Tom Brady's numbers through through two quarters were brutal and then uh, threw for 180 yards like at the yeah. end of the game. It's crazy. 326, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, James White, his best game of the season for sure. 79 rushing yards, eight catches, 98 yards and two touchdowns. And then Julian Edelman, six catches for 106 yards and a touchdown. Other than that, nothing else from the Patriots receivers. And that indeed is uh, part of the problem with New England. They don't have anybody that could stretch the field. 
Also, Houston, it should be mentioned, have been awesome at home and terrible on the road. Five and one at home this season, and then you could figure out the road record not so good as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose if New England just kind of heads in this direction, they certainly could beat any team in the playoffs. And from a fantasy perspective, you just can't start anybody on New England outside of the three names I mentioned, probably Brady White and Edelman. Even Sony Michelle is a hard start, I guess. He just Sometimes he looks good, sometimes he doesn't. You're heading into the fantasy playoffs. You can't feel great about starting Sony Michelle just depends on what the other options are. Uh, and, and for Houston, um, this is one that I'm going to be wrong on because they're one win away from going over their win total at eight and a half. I really did not think Houston would be a good team this season. And uh, they've been very uh, up and down. I still don't think they'll go very far in the playoffs, but they're certainly headed there that way at this point, Joe. No, they certainly are. I think you, <clears throat> I think you take some solace out of the fact that they did come back in this game and they did make it close because it was not close for a while. Uh, and it just, you know, they came out kind of flat. Julian Edelman was getting double teamed. And unfortunately, again, that's the problem. Julian Edelman's a really good player, but Julian Edelman doesn't have the size and the ability to work at a double teams. It's just, it's not, you know, he's not six, five. He's not, you know, Kenny Galladay. He's not that kind of dude who's just going to be able to do that stuff. So when you don't have enough offensive talent on the field and you can basically double Julian Edelman with the corner and then bring the safety up there for help, it, it really shuts down this offense. Now, luckily in the void, James White did step up a little bit. So that was a positive in the passing game. The two touchdowns from White that happened later on in the game. You like that. Certainly White, certainly the better guy to own in fantasy over Sony Michelle. There's no doubt about that, especially going forward. And I thought Deshaun Watson just played a hell of a game. You know, he had a lot of uh, elusive moments there where he got out from the clutches and made some plays. So it was great to see, especially they've had some issues. He only got sacked three times in this game. I say only because usually it's double that most of the time. But you're right. They have been good in home. And right now the Patriots are in a bad spot because they have they've lost that tiebreaker now to the Ravens. But the Ravens remaining schedule, they've got the Bills in Buffalo, which is no cakewalk. They've got uh, the Jets, which they will win. They got the Browns, who they've already lost to this year. Maybe the Browns have that number. And then they've got the Steelers last game of the season. So there's I don't think it's like a four and kind of run necessarily for uh for them but if the patriots can go for no here or you know and they lose one game the ravens all of a sudden that it toggles right back to them so i would definitely say you know patriot fans don't don't freak out quite yet there's still a couple weeks left of football to be played but yeah you're right deshaun watson and company finally got it done and bill o'brien got his first victory ever ever in his career against his old boss bill belichick so there you go congrats bill o'brien you might just keep your job yet yeah, I think he probably should. They've they've played very well at home, and that was a big signature win for that team for sure. And look, they, they certainly could lose a game the rest of the way, but I wouldn't put any guarantees on New England winning all their games the rest of the way either, regardless of what the schedule is. So uh, they're in the driver's seat for sure. They'll, uh, New England will have to finish one game ahead of Baltimore in order to have that home field. And honestly, even with Baltimore having the home field, you can't rule out the Patriots in any game. So, Well, the Pats so have I, the Chiefs left, the Bengals left, the Bills, and the Dolphins, and they have three of those four games at home in New England, and one of them is on the road. That only one on the road is against Cincinnati. So there's actually a really good chance that the Patriots run the table here at the end, and if they do, why, and Baltimore why would, falters. Why would they? Why would, ah, come on. Three I mean, home wait, games? Wait, have you wait, seen wait. the record in New England for New England in December? I, in the I would say... They, they're very likely to have the same record, the two teams, the rest of the way. That would right, be I will take the other end of that. I will say that the Patriots win. I will say the Patriots win out because of the way the schedule shakes out for them. And I'll say Baltimore drops one, just one, one of these upcoming four games. All so right. We'll see well, how it plays out. We'll, we'll see in the end. We'll, we'll save it and roll it back later. Save it, roll it back and rub it in my face.
We'll try. Uh, Ravens <laughs> beat the 49ers 20-17. to 17. Lamar Jackson, although he didn't throw for a lot of yards, he ran for a lot of yards. He's just been a monster in fantasy. It's, it, he is the guy that you look at, and if you're playing against them, you're scared. 105 passing yards and a touchdown. He threw it to Mark Andrews. It looked like he was going to have a big passing day, and then San Francisco kind of caught up with him a little bit, although he just did all his damage on the ground. Another 100-yard day for him rushing. And a touchdown, I mentioned Andrews three for 50. No one else did anything offensively for Baltimore. It was just not worth mentioning. Jimmy Garoppolo, 165 yards and a touchdown for him. Raheem Mostert took advantage of his opportunity. And who knows what they'll do even going forward with Brita back next week, too. But Mostert, at least for this week, was viable. 19 for 146 and a touchdown. Debo Samuel continues to play well for the Niners. And he's found uh, Garoppolo over and over again. Only two catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. And then George Kittle. Had two catches for 17 yards. So, um, I, you know, the the uh, the Ravens did not cover. They were six-point favorites, and the game was very close. It could have went either way. Uh, Jackson did have a key fumble in this game when they were kind of driving to go in and score as well. But at this point, Jackson could just beat you in so many different ways. They're playing against, you have to say, the 49ers are an elite team in the NFL. They're playing against an elite team. And even though they get into that position where they need a field goal to win, you have arguably one of the top five kickers in the history of the NFL, Tucker, you expect to win. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly how they won. And I think on the San Francisco side of the ball, I, I don't know that you could start any of their running backs, honestly, in the fantasy playoffs. It's very hard because Mostert could do this and he could have five carries for 10 yards. You just don't know. So uh, 49ers, great reality team, but not such a great fantasy team, especially as we head toward the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. And Matt Breida supposedly will be back next week, so that will certainly get messier. But look, a great job by Mostert in this game. I mean, 19 for 146 and a touchdown is certainly a hell of a game. I felt like, to a certain extent, the weather really benefited the 49ers, actually, to keep this game close. Because I don't think Baltimore was really able to do the things that they wanted to do offensively sometimes because of the weather. Whereas San Francisco... They were limited anyway, sometimes offensively, so it kind of just kept the game closer. And then you mentioned that key fumble. I think part of that was also, hey, the ball's slick. It's playing in the rain. Things like that will happen. And Lamar Jackson's super aggressive, too. I'm curious, when you're watching Lamar Jackson, you know, he's not one of these guys who runs and then slides. He goes out there and he keeps getting an extra five yards, extra eight yards sometimes. He takes contact and keeps going. Are you concerned at all when you own him in a fantasy league going forward that, man, he's taking a lot of shots out there you know, and and all of a sudden he could go, you know, from looking really good to all of a sudden just done. We've seen RG3 have that happen to him. We've seen a couple other running quarterbacks in the past kind of take too many shots. Does the style of run concern you at all? Or do you just think he's in control and he knows exactly what he's doing and when to go down and when to, you know, roll over somebody? He seems like he knows, but the injury factor is definitely a part of it. Well, certainly higher with a guy like that who doesn't yeah, slide. I, I, I think it is. And I, and I would guess in the next five years, yeah, there'll be a time where he gets hurt and he misses games. But I think that also happens to a lot of quarterbacks. And it's very rare to have a Stafford or to have a Rivers or to have a Brady that just starts every game. And I think that the upside is just impossible to ignore. So I would I, I look what what pick does Lamar Jackson go to next year's draft? There's a lot of debate I saw on that. Yeah, third round on media, I think second, maybe I, late I, second, I, early third. <sighs> I, in I a single have, quarterback league, I can't not gonna go in the first round, but I think that I think that, I, you know, once like I would say like around 24, 25, 26, that that feels right. Like you get like if you have the first pick in the draft next year and, and you take whoever you take overall first, um, let's assume it's McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And then you come back around and you take whatever the best wide receivers available. And then you take Jackson. And Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I, I have no problem with that. After I have my first two picks, I would take Jackson and Harvey. No, I, I think structurally you can make a, you can make a case for it starting at the top of the third round structurally, especially because you already have an elite 
relative position value player like a Christian McCaffrey. I also wonder, too, if Lamar Jackson in a funky way without even realizing it is taking advantage of how defense is being conditioned to not hit the quarterback because everyone's conditioned. Don't hit the quarterback. If quarterback's out in space, just corral him. He's going to slide because he doesn't want to take the hit. And everybody knows that and everybody does that. Nobody wants to get the extra 15 thrown on them because as the guy sliding, you go and you go hit him. And the next thing you know, you're not trying to, but you know, you were kind of going for him and he kind of goes down. Next thing you know, it's helmet to helmet. Next thing you know, it's spearing. It's a million other things. So I wonder to a certain extent, if Lamar Jackson's style of play has really caught the NFL defensive player off guard because they've been so conditioned and trained now to corral, let him slide. Don't hit the quarterback. Certainly don't hit the quarterback late because whatever game he just had, you're going to tack on another 15. If you do, do you think that's kind of in play and people just don't even realize it? It could be part of it. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it should be part of it if you're the Steelers or if you're the Browns or if you're in his division. That's fair. Because if you make the mistake and he gets hurt, you know, I'm sorry, but now we get to win. You know, like, I don't think it should be. But yeah, I mean, it could be part of it. Teams, I've seen penalties called on guys just for looking oh, at the leg. You really took it dark there. I like that. Like, it was like longest yard style. I like that. Hey, same hey, same division. Hey, oops. <laughs> I like that. Very nice. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, very well could be. All right. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today. We'll come back and get into a couple of the big upsets from yesterday. Washington and Miami, two teams that look destined for 0-16, now have multiple wins this season. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today, right after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you until 2 o'clock Eastern. And then full-time fantasy will take over at that point as we continue on here on the show. Joe and I... We'll get you ready for the fantasy football playoffs this week. So uh, a little bit of a different scenario for those of you. Same thing for me as well. Playing in one fantasy football playoff for sure. And I believe out in another despite uh, a 7-6 and six record. Not good enough to get me in in a deep league. So uh, Washington Redskins not headed to the playoffs for sure. But showed a lot yesterday. I, I just simply didn't think that after that game against the Jets, they had any chance of even looking good. And here they are covering two games in a row, winning one game outright. And making Carolina's defense look awful. I mean, Haskins did nothing yesterday, 147 yards. But Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson combined for over 228 rushing yards. Geis 10 for 129 and two touchdowns. Peterson 13 for 99. Um, McLaurin and all the receivers did nothing. But it was just simply run, run, and run some more. They ran for over 240 yards on the day. And I'm not really sure what's happened to Carolina. Kyle Allen... 278, two touchdowns, one interception. McCaffrey in his worst game had a good game. 44 rushing yards, seven catches, 58 receiving yards. 
and nearly got a touchdown at the end of the game, too. That would have uh, given him more points. DJ Moore has been really good for Carolina, six for 75 and a touchdown. Debo Samuel's been fine, too, four for 65. But wow, uh, Washington, a 10 point underdog. They don't just win. They win by eight. So even anybody who teased these games, you lost too. Uh, one of the more surprising results, I would say, all season long in the NFL. Now, look, a close game. Washington wins. Sure. But the way that the Redskins dominated the Carolina Panthers, I mean, really didn't have anything to do with the offensive pair have been known for playing very solid defense. Yeah, they have. Uh, it's um, a very curious year. You know, the Panthers have had some bad games and then bounced back and, and a bunch of times already this year. And they are kind of an enigma. You know, DJ Moore's had a phenomenal season. And it is great to see because that was a guy that on the Black Book show last year, we were very, very positive on. And we just thought, hey, man, this guy's just ready to explode next year, get all the DJ more shares. And we were a year too early on him, but we saw this potential. And we were like, I know Bogman, who's a huge college football guy, was like, DJ Moore's a guy. I'm telling you right now, DJ Moore is going to be a great receiver in the NFL. And he has been. But this team has been a bit of an enigma. Kyle Allen's had some good games and some obviously not so good games. As I mentioned earlier, that sack he took towards the end when they were threatening to to get back into this game at the very end here. Unfortunately, you just can't do that. That's a, you know, you just got to try to chuck the ball, do something that's fourth down. You can't take the loss there. You just got to throw it up there and hope for the best. But the big takeaway here is Darius Geis. Darius Geis touched the ball 12 times and had over 130 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. But if you see the highlights of this game, if you didn't watch it, which I can understand why you might not have, Darius Geis was throwing stiff arms. Darius Geis was knocking guys on their butts. Darius Geis was physical, tough, and that was only 10 carries. If you gave this guy 15, 20 carries, I can't imagine what kind of <laughs> havoc he would wreak. That is an amazing thing to see. This was the Darius Geis that was drafted so high. This was the guy they were thinking they were getting, and we finally saw him. So I don't know about you. I'm very excited because I own him. He was on my bench in flex, and I've never been so happy to see a guy go off on my bench than Darius Geis because I'm already in the playoffs, and I want to see Darius Geis do this in the playoffs for this last month. Woo-wee, was he good. Yeah, it could be, and he looks healthy, and this was the player that he looked like at LSU, too, breaking a lot of tackles and running real well. Physical. Um, not not out of the realm of possibility, I think, and and certainly Peterson is still there, so that creates a little bit of an interesting dynamic, and I would guess that Geis's carries per game wouldn't go much more than what you saw there. Maybe 15 would be on the high mark, um, but they want to get a look at him at the end of the season, and, and look, what we've seen so far has definitely been good. All Washington does is run the ball. They're running the ball more than any team in the NFL since they fired their head coach, Jay Gruden, and they are holding time of possession more than any team in the NFL since they fired Jay Gruden. So a lot of running, and you would guess some low-scoring games also on deck the rest of the season. All right, the uh, Dolphins and Eagles yesterday uh, played to an interesting start. Eagles go up 10 nothing. Eagles go up 14 points in the third quarter. But uh, this was the worst defensive performance from any team I've seen in the NFL this season. And uh, and look, the Jaguars have looked really bad on defense the last couple of weeks. But I, I, I mean, that was shockingly bad against a team that absolutely couldn't run the game, had their uh, punter throwing to their kicker in the end zone for a touchdown. Just an embarrassing, sad loss for the Eagles. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 365 through the air, three touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Laird, they're running back 10 carries. He only had five yards in those 10 carries, but he scored a touchdown. Also caught four uh, passes, 43 yards, because Caleb Balaj got hurt, although Balaj isn't very good either. And then Devontae Parker, who uh, got a one-year deal from the Dolphins, is going to get a multi-year deal, probably the top free agent in the NFL in terms of wide receiver going into the offseason. It's crazy to think 
He was almost out of the NFL, but seven catches, 159 uh, yards and two touchdowns. He made some really good catches, but there was also some really bad defense by the defensive backs of the Eagles, too. They were just targeting all of those guys all day long. In terms of Philly, their offense was fine. Uh, Wentz, 310, three touchdowns, one interception. Sanders looks like he's taken over this role at running back, so if you own him in the fantasy playoffs, you could see some good things. 17 carries, 83 yards, five receptions also, 22 yards and a touchdown. Alshon Jeffrey can't really run anymore, but he can catch it. Nine for 137 and a touchdown. Ertz, three for 24. Also dropped a huge pass that would have been a touchdown right in his hands and uh, and led to a uh, Eagles field goal, which I think crushed the game for them. Uh, Dallas Goddard, six for 66. So we, uh, we talked about this game uh, early on. Um, I wouldn't expect Miami to do this the rest of the season, and they've already gotten three wins. <laughs> I'm not really sure what their plan is at this well, point. They got all those picks. I mean, they could no, package they, them they up do. if they really want to. No, they they definitely do, and I've heard that. I have heard that from them that that's their plan. Regardless, is to go and move up against and move up as far as they want. But you can't control what other teams do when you get into that spot. Uh, luckily for them, Washington won, and luckily for them, Cincinnati won. So they're still okay. But I never, ever would have thought at the beginning of the season that the Dolphins could win five games. Like I never, I, look, Baltimore just looks like the best team in the NFL. And so maybe we should have known that after week one, after what Baltimore did to Miami. But the Dolphins for weeks looked like they were going to be non-competitive. And now they certainly have a chance to win four or five games. I think that hurts them, honestly. I don't think that they, I mean, it's hard to say you shouldn't compete and you shouldn't play. But but if you're going to go all the way down and tank, I think you got to go all the way down. They really shouldn't be winning any games the rest of the season. But uh, a, a very hard hard for me to say when I'm not playing. But a very impressive win for them. And uh, Philly may rebound from this, but they are a bad team, man. <laughs> they are a bad I, bad. I've been team. It all year, man. And their defense <laughs> is bad. Their offense year. is bad. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, messy for them. Top to bottom, it's not good. And Carson Wentz doesn't have now. Look, it's nice to have an Alshon Jeffrey sighting but it's far too infrequent. And if they are not going to draft a wide receiver, then maybe Devontae Parker, the other guy in this game, is the guy that they should go after because he's looked absolutely brilliant. Now, I'd be terrified of giving this guy a big contract because the first three years of his career, he did absolutely nothing. But seven for 159, two more touchdowns for him. He's gotten like 10 targets in his last four games now. He's been absolutely incredible in terms of volume. The upside's been there. And I'll tell you what, the other thing you didn't mention is Yes, you know, you shouldn't be winning any more games and they probably won't. Let's be fine. I mean, this was kind of another one of those perfect storm things. You get a team that's been beat up, get a team that's kind of down on itself a little bit. And again, maybe looking ahead or maybe just not as good as they thought they were. And you sneak up on them at the end. And you kind of creep back in. I feel like Brian Flores should get some credit here because maybe just maybe the most important thing is, yeah, you got a bunch of draft picks and yeah, you're turning the organization over. But you also want to turn it over to good hands with a, co- a coach that you believe in. I think you can look at this in the scenario and say, wow, this guy won three games with this group of stooges. Good job getting these guys to play. Good job getting these guys to buy in here. And they, you know, I mean, the Eagles are, you know, on paper, at least a good team. So that's an impressive victory for Brian Flores. And I think that he should uh, hang his hat on that one. I think you can say maybe just maybe they found their head coach to continue to build around, too, because we all know in the NFL, you can have all the talent in the world. If you don't have the people coaching them properly, just ask the Dallas Cowboys or the right systems in place. You're going to lose football games. Yeah, they'll play the Bengals uh, coming up, and that will be the determiner Oof. for sure Oof. as to who gets the first pick and the Jets, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm holding a ticket with under five wins for the Dolphins, and um, I popped that champagne about five weeks ago, and now that's a, that's uh, I got to put that quirk back in. Not good at all for me. Uh, Buccaneers 28, Jaguars 11. 
This was a horrible game. Horrible game. Uh, Tampa Bay went up 25 nothing on Jacksonville, and then uh, they brought Minshew in, and, and some fun happened after that, but not really. It was just a, a dreadful game. Winston, 268. It was over before it started. Uh, Barber was the, the story on at the running game, 44 yards and two touchdowns. Ronald Jones, uh, after the game, Bruce Arians said missed a block, and they pulled him from the game, and that was the end. So good luck to Ronald Jones. He's probably done in Tampa. Four for 53 with Mike Evans. Godwin, four for 50. Perryman, five for 87. And O.J. Howard, his best game of the year, five for 67. On Jacksonville's side, this is probably going to end up being the worst free agent signing in their franchise history of Nick Foles, who they'll probably have yep. to cut at the end of the year. 93 yep. yards, one interception, two fumbles. He'll get uh, Minshew, Minshew as, as what? A shoe shiner? Min- oh, Minshew <laughs> came in, He's horrible. Minshew came in 147 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He gave them some life. Actually, he was driving them down to, uh, to bring it within a touchdown, too, and just couldn't get it done. So a uh, closer game than it actually looked like. Fournette, 38 rushing yards. Thank goodness he, he caught nine balls for 53 yards, so he saved the day there, getting you about uh, 16, 17 fantasy points. Westbrook, five for 60 and a touchdown. DJ Chark is uh, headed down game two for 57. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you're going to get your wish here. Doug Marone's going to get fired at the end of the year. Um, I, I really don't know what's happened to the Jaguars. They look lifeless. They look like they weren't playing in the first half. Four foals. Foles also couldn't. You, you could not have a worse. That was like a Peterman first half. For uh, for Foles, who I, I don't even know what to say. He just he got a lot of money and he got hurt and now he's back and he doesn't look like he should have got the money. Shouldn't does look like he should be on the field. I'm going to just basically say that with Philly a couple of years ago when he took them to the Super Bowl was one of those Hostetler all time backup runs where we never hear about Nick Foles again after this year. I mean, it just was one of yeah. those magical runs for six or seven games. He is uh, a great guy. Everyone knows he's one of the best guys in the NFL in terms of people. Decided to stay in Philadelphia last year. Played well again when he came in as a backup, but that run is over. Well, look, they also paid him. They picked up a nice little option for him to stay. So it wasn't like he was playing for free. He wasn't playing for the league minimum there to be a backup. And hey, you could be everybody's favorite backup and get paid and not take any hits. Sounds good to me. But yeah, it's funny. On the morning show on Sunday on TV, I posed this to the roundtable here with Davis Maddock and Jim Day. I said, uh, I got a feeling that if Foles doesn't play well, you're going to see Minshew today and get benched. And that did not go over well. Everybody basically kind of felt like, ah, you're, you know, you're paying him all this money, to which I say you got to win football games here. This is a huge game. If you fall behind this game and it's because of Foles, if he does not play well, because the first game back, he was okay. First game back, I mean, at least statistically speaking, he was okay uh, against the Colts. And then last week was not good. I'm sure you could attest to that. And then this week, obviously not good at all. There was a part of me when I saw Gardner Minshew's mustache come back into that game yeah, there was one part there where I thought that if Minshew came back in the game, won the game, and then run the table the rest of the season, yeah. But no, unfortunately, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, but especially because Kyler Murray didn't have a good day, and there was part of me going, oh, oh, Kyler Murray, bad day, Gardner Minshew, huge finish to the season, makes it relevant. It could happen. We could get it. It could be amazing, but oh, well. But yeah, Foles is going to have a job somewhere else when he gets cut because there's going to be a lot of open quarterback spots there and a lot of rookie quarterbacks coming into the league where somebody like Foles is that perfect guy to kind of just have in camp just in case they struggle and play him for a couple weeks until the kid's ready to put down the clipboard and pick up a ball. We'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports Today. Hour number two is next right after the best of hour number one. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. 
We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Julian Edelman was getting double teamed, and unfortunately, again, that's the problem. Julian Edelman's a really good player. But Julian Edelman doesn't have the size and the ability to work at a double team. So it's just, it's not, you know, he's not 6'5". He's not, you know, Kenny Galladay. He's not that kind of dude who's just going to be able to do that stuff. So when you don't have enough offensive talent on the field and you can basically double Julian Edelman with the corner and then bring the safety up there for help, it, it really shuts down this offense. Now, luckily in the void, James White did step up a little bit. So that was a positive in the passing game. The two touchdowns from White, that happened later on in the game. You like that, certainly. White, certainly the better guy to own in fantasy over Sony Michelle. There's no doubt about that especially going forward. And I thought Deshaun Watson just played a hell of a game. You know, he had a lot of uh, elusive moments there where he got out from the clutches and made some plays. So it was great to see, especially they've had some issues. He only got sacked three times in this game. I say only because usually it's double that most of the time, but you're right. They have been good at home. And right now the Patriots are in a bad spot because they have, they've lost that tiebreaker now to the Ravens, but the Ravens remaining schedule, they've got the bills in Buffalo, which is no cakewalk. They've got uh, the Jets, which they will win. They got the Browns, who they've already lost to this year. Maybe the Browns have that number. And then they've got the Steelers last game of the season. So there's I don't think it's like a four and kind of run necessarily for uh, for them. But if the Patriots can go four and here where, you know, and they lose one game, the Ravens, all of a sudden that it toggles right back to them. So I would definitely say, you know, Patriot fans don't don't freak out quite yet. There's still a couple of weeks left of football to be played. But. Yeah, you're right. Deshaun Watson and company finally got it done. And Bill O'Brien got his first victory ever, ever in his career against his old boss, Bill Belichick. So there you go. Congrats, Bill O'Brien. You might just keep your job yet. 